This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon. As we're live right here in Tampa Bay on AM 570, 102.1 over there in Lakeland. And we're rebroadcasting multiple stations around the country. But we're also podcasting on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. However you're hearing the show today, just know that we prayed for you. That we're... We, Every time we do a show, we're always praying for you, our listeners, that something that is said today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith, into understanding that your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that workplace, in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. The job that you hold, the place that you work, none of that is by chance. The people that you work with, they need to meet Jesus you may be their only chance. You know, so often we go to college and we get out and we get rushed to get a job without ever giving any thought to a career. What we're really made to do. How many of you got a degree because you thought you could make money doing it? How many of you took the first job out of the chute because you were afraid of not getting a job? How many of you are in a job that's not a good fit? It presents itself like a dead end and you are miserable. Enter the discourse, John Crossman. A man who's made the mistakes, watched others make bigger ones. John Crossman's the president of Crossman & Company, a commercial real estate company here in the Southeast. He's married, has two daughters, and is a mentor and passionate advocate for young professionals, specifically the millennials and the digital generation up to coming. John recently released his latest book, Career Builders and Career Killers, which I finished about a week and a half ago. This is a book that every millennial needs to read. John Crossman, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you so much. Honor to be with you. You know, I love it when I get a book sent to me and I read it and I go, there's a lot of practical stuff in here. And your latest book, Career Killers, Career Builders, is full of that for not only millennials and the upcoming digital generation, but also all of us older than that. I mean, there's just so much good stuff in there. But before we get to that, John, here's the question. How does the I Work For Him message resonate with you? Well, first off, I love it as a brand. <laughs> I love brandy. I think you know that about me. And I love the brand that it's simple and easy and concise and sends a message. I love that. How does it resonate for me in a more, in a deeper level? You know, it gives me great structure and a reminder of what I'm doing every day. It's hard some days to judge success. Am I busy? Am I productive? Was I too mean? Was I too soft, right? Like there's all kinds of ways you can judge what you're doing. And the reponder that every day that I work for him, I work for Christ, it's very centering. It's very focusing. And by the way, it gives me a lot of peace when I think about it. I love that. That's cool. So you've got a passion for feeding into the next generations. Where did that passion come from? Well, I think that's probably a lot of things, but one of the things I'd say is that, you know, I grew up a Methodist minister's son, and uh, we moved around a lot, as a lot of Methodist ministers do, and I think that I really came alive in college. I think that was a place for me, and to this day, I consider my the, the college where I went, that city, to be really my hometown, uh, because I go back to it, and I connect with it, and I work with it, and so um, there's a big part of it. I also, I had a lot of success early on, and so some of the times, early in my career, people would ask me how I did that, because they would want me to meet with their, their kids, or, you know, 
people like that, and I was glad to do it. Um, but, you know, you learn a lot on the way. And certainly I made a lot of mistakes and um, have had people around me make some, some bigger ones and very sad ones. And so it really has been a way to give back that I feel very passionately about. So you wrote this book, Career Killers, Career Builders, the book every millennial needs to read. This topic, why this topic? Well, you know, I, I lecture frequently. I probably lecture anywhere from 15 to 20 times a year at different universities across the southeast. And I've been doing that, gosh, close to 20 years, if you can imagine that. I, I had a guy come to me recently and said he had lectured at his class at Florida State University in 1997. So I was like, whoa, it's been a long time I've been doing this. And through that research and all those speeches, that's what created this book. And what I really try to focus on is that if you're a student at one of the many outstanding universities um, in our state specifically, you know, one would assume you got there for making a lot of really smart decisions. And if if you think about 10 years in the future, where should those young people be? Well, a lot of them should be doing great, will be doing great, but some of them won't. And so I really try to focus in on the deep issues, not, not being late to work, but things that are truly career killers. And then more importantly, what are the steps they can take to prevent from having those issues happen? And uh, it's been, a, been 20 years in the making, and hopefully it makes an impact, and maybe it can save a life or two. You know, that's, it's just big stuff out there. I am sure there's multiple printings ahead for this book. You might have to change the front you know, subtitle, the book every digital gen needs to write too. I mean, I'm, right. I'm pretty sure that it's going to go on for a while because everything you said in there were things that I wish I knew 30 years ago when I entered the, the marketplace, when I entered the, the, the working world. All right. So, but at the beginning of the book, before you get into listing the career killers and then the career builders, you start off with just some basic information. What does it take to build a career, John? Yeah. You know, um, you know, you sort of jump past and sort of, you know, think, hey, somebody has a basic level of education, they have a basic level of drive. What are the key things that really ramp things up? And one of them is, is, is passion, okay? And I used to think either you're a passionate person or you weren't. And sometimes you're people say you need to pursue your passions. But sometimes people will say to me, well, I don't have anything I'm passionate about. And what I tell students is, is that, first off, you can choose to be passionate. I had a friend, a guy that I knew, was a star football player in South Florida, was a lifelong Dolphins fan. He ended up playing college football and got drafted in the NFL and was hoping to get drafted by the Dolphins because that was his team. He ended up getting drafted by the New York Jets. Okay, And if you're any good American, you would know, you know Dolphins and Jets are bitter rivals, right? So someone might think, how could you then play for the team you cheered against your whole life? Well... You go up there and you, you tour the area. People are nice to you, nice homes, nice, nice things going on. Um, but then they offer you a bunch of money, right? And then it's J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. You're a Jets fan. So you certainly can choose passion. I didn't know anything about dialysis until my dad was on dialysis. I didn't know anything about uh, domestic violence until my sister was a, was a victim of domestic violence. So things happen that can cause you, cause you to choose to be passionate about things, right? And so I tell them that. So if a young person doesn't know what they're passionate about, I tell them, be passionate about what you are, right? Your college student, be passionate about your college. You're active in church, be passionate about that church. You can choose passion, and I promise you when you do that, great things will happen. Well, and usually, it's not not when I was 21, but there's been a time, I'm sure, in your life and in my life where all of a sudden we did something like, huh? I really enjoy that. That came natural. That was fun. That I felt the passion of the Lord. And I will tell you that the the first, not the first couple times I did radio, but by the third or the fourth time, like this, I can feel 
the pleasure of the Lord doing radio each and every day, something I never knew until I was 47 years old. So it's exciting to be able to pursue passion, but not everybody gets that opportunity. My father-in-law said this all my life. He said, Jim, if you find a job you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Well, but think about it this way, though. What if you're someone who's listening to this radio station and they're, so, and they're, they're 19 years old and they're working at McDonald's? And they don't like working at McDonald's. They're embarrassed by working at McDonald's. And if their shift starts at 10 a.m., they show up at 10.01. And their shift ends at 6, they leave at you know 5.59. I would tell that young person, flip that around. If your shift starts at 10 a.m., show up at 9.45. If your shift ends at 6, you know, don't end until you feel like the job's done. Be the happy, positive, best employee you could possibly be. Number one reason why you do that is because you work for him. Right? doesn't right. matter where you are. You work for him. And we look at Old Testament Joseph. That's what he did. And what would happen to that young person at McDonald's doing that job? You know what happened is they will get promoted or they'll get recruited away. You know, so the Bible teaches us about having passion and choosing passion in difficult situations and gives us examples how that can bless people. You also mentioned, though, that if somebody's going to build a career, it takes some maturity. But right. really, what does maturity look like? Right. I learned about this when I took a class about parenting uh, years ago at, at First Baptist Orlando. And the gentleman that was teaching it said, what is the goal of being a parent? And I thought to myself, I have no idea. I'm glad I'm here, you know. And so he said the goal of being a parent was to teach maturity, right? And then he went on to define it, and he defined it this way. He said, you know, it's uh, accepting personal responsibility, right? It's uh, uh, wisdom, you know, learning from your mistakes. And it's, you know, learning how to, like, not to repeat those mistakes, right? So there's sort of a simple process of what does that mean, you know? And so when I take that into a work environment, maturity is very important. It has nothing to do with age, but it's, number one, taking personal responsibility. It's amazing how many times I've seen situations where people won't say, I'm sorry, we had a big screw up here with one of our clients recently, and I told the guy that was in charge of it, I said, you email the client and start off with, thank you for pointing this out, I'm sorry this happened, and then go on and explain how we're going to fix it. We got a beautiful note back from the client, but it started with taking personal responsibility, right? Humility is a huge Humility. deal. Learning from your mistakes. Don't make the same mistake again. Like when we see people in prison, that's what's going on. All right, John, here's a question. You're the president of a commercial real estate company. How often do you see job candidates make the mistakes listed out in the career killers section? You know, it's uh, all the things that we, I've seen here, I, I saw years ago, and I keep seeing. Uh, it's one of those similar things. Sometimes I think when I talk about the book, I think, gosh, surely I don't need to keep talking about that. Uh, but I continue to see them. Um, they don't always come up in an interview, per se, uh, but they will come out over time. And certainly I think a lot of times what I see is somebody that I might consider recruiting, uh, and I see in a social environment, a networking environment, I'll certainly see some of those issues come up. <laughs> it's got to be. I, I think you, prob- you probably have a journal somewhere, and you cited a lot of examples in the book. But you got to have a journal of here's the st- well, I'll say silliest things. No, here's the stupidest things I've ever seen <laughs> people do early on in their jobs. Or here- I mean, just it's just an amazing thing. It, it's got to be just amazing. Well, you know, it's funny, real quick, I just tell you this. I had a, uh, what this book won an award, and one of the things they said in the review process is that one critique they made in the book, they didn't think my stories were believable uh, because I didn't share names. All of the stories are true. I didn't share names because I didn't want to embarrass anybody. Um, and I didn't share my worst stories, you know, so <laughs> keep that in mind as well. 
You mean there's better ones than are in a book? Oh, that's that's sad. Okay, so let's start rolling through the career killer section. It's going to take some time, but I, w- I want to highlight some of this stuff because people listening today may not read the book, so they may just listen sure. to the podcast or listen to the show live right, right now. And they're, and these things are going to blow their mind because of the simplicity of the things that really cause people to kill a career. All right, your number one career killer was drugs and alcohol, which seems sure. like something you shouldn't even bother having to talk about. Sure. Why don't you talk about this? Yeah, let me give you a couple examples. Uh, first off, the Orlando Business Journal named a quote I had as one of the quotes of the year, years ago. And the quote simply was, your office Christmas party is work, not a party. Don't lose your job by drinking too much eggnog. And so I think that's a simple thing. But for some young people, if they think party, right, they think free alcohol, they think drunk. They don't have a sense of if you go to a business event and you, you know, you're of age and you want to have something to drink, that's okay. But have one glass of wine and that's it, right? It's a work function. It's not a party function. How often have you seen that disaster where somebody gets plastered out of their mind and makes a complete fool of themselves? Here's what's funny. I don't drink at all, like at all, and so I haven't seen it that often. But do you know who does? People who party really hard. This is what's funny. I'm not judgmental. I found historically of people that drink, but my friends who drink a lot in social environments are the ones that are the most critical of young people who drink too much. Isn't that funny? It's not the prudes like me. It's the partiers. And the other thing I remind students is I say, listen, do you think that sometimes you may go to an event and somebody might offer you some drink because they're trying to test you? Or maybe somebody's pushing something on you because they want your job? Right? Maybe someone's trying to get you drunk because they're trying to get you act like a fool. Just because someone's handing you a free drink doesn't mean they're doing you a favor. They may be trying to mess you up. I love it. But so that's alcohol. That's what's going on at, at Christmas parties or or maybe Fourth of July uh, gatherings or Labor Day gatherings or something like that. But what about the drug usage? Your drug usage is very serious, and I would tell you that I think a lot of it now is prescription. You know, even can be it can be legal uh, drug use. Uh, but uh, you know, I have absolutely had people I've worked with that have died from from drug overdoses, and I absolutely have the people I've worked with who have, you know, for me, illegal drug usage. They've gotten in bad places, and you have to think what's the beginning of that? Where does that start? And it's sort of probably some level of wounding, right? And there's hope. I mean, look, you can be an alcoholic and drug addict and make it. And I have friends who have been through NA and AA, and now they're very society, but the problem is you get hooked on that, and you very quickly get up in the grave. Um, and there are people I think that party really hard, and then in one night end up the wrong side of eternity. I mean, in an instant uh, because of a decision like that. And sometimes it can be as innocent as you know trying to take too much painkillers and then getting addicted to it. So it's very serious and very real. Well, and those drug use at work it really impacts not just you, but all of those around you because they're carrying your load because you're not carrying the load. Well, yeah, and I'll tell you a story for myself. I had a very serious back injury years ago and was in the hospital for it. I was on vacation and I was given a bunch of drugs for it. And I came back when I got home, I actually read what I was taking. I was taking Valium, Valium and Oxycontin. Um, and I wasn't even really aware of it because I was injured. Called my doctor. My doctor said, get off this stuff. I went off it cold, uh, which was very hard. And then what I, one of the things I did was smart was I told the people around me, you need to know I'm in a lot of physical pain and I'm not taking meds. I need your grace during this tough time. Right. And that it was humiliating. Uh, but that's what I needed to do. 
it would have been very easy just to take the pill and function at work, um, but I needed to not take it, but also explain what was going on. Mm, I love that communication. All right, number yeah. two mistake that can be a career killer, sex. Why don't you explain a little bit? Why is a relationship with someone in your workplace a bad idea? Well, I think it's really easy. You know, We watch TV shows like The Office or whatever, and it seems like a great place to meet people. Uh, but here's the first problem is, is that, and, and this is going to sound harsh, but I say it, if you're not, if you're getting paid to do a job and you're not doing your job, instead you're flirting with somebody, you're stealing. You know, that's time theft. You're, if you're being, you're doing work and you're not, you're being paid to work and not doing the job, you're stealing. Like that's just number one. It's distracting. It's not part of the job. Number two, and here's an obvious one. You know, sometimes you meet the love of your life and it works out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. And I had a guy from one time that he was dating the receptionist and they broke up. Can you imagine the person answering the phones and you know, then he's got a new girl he's dating. It's a, it's a mess. I've seen far more times it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out and it creates huge, huge dysfunctional problems. And I've seen much more, sadly, women be a victim of this than men, meaning, you know, this young gal's trying to rise up in her career. Hey, if you start sleeping with some guy in the office, that it can really hurt your potential for future promotions and being taken seriously. So I always tell people, look, you want to date? There's lots of people out there to date, lots of people. But you don't have to date people you work and work with. And let me say this. Remember when I talked about maturity, self-control? You know, your whole life, you, God made us. We're sexual beings. We're going to find people attractive. It doesn't mean we have to sleep with them. It doesn't mean we have to date them. We can choose to not do that. Well, and you state in the book that a relationship with somebody in, in your workplace is a bad idea, but having sex with them is even a worse idea. Right. And most of it, I love what you put in there. It's like, hey, just keep in mind, you think you're being discreet and that just you and this other person in the office know that you're dating, but everybody knows. Everybody, everybody knows ev- that. How is everybody. that possible? How come that's true? Well, it's true because people talk. People love to talk about that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I've seen it over and over and over again. I think one of the stories that I told the book was a young lady, you know, people were talking about having an affair, and I called her out on it. And I, not in a mean way. I didn't even work with her anymore, but I just was trying to be helpful. And six, she said she was not. Six months later, she came back and told me she was and all this tragic stuff was going on. But between that tier time, 30 people told me about it. I mean, it was, it was everywhere because people like to talk about that kind of stuff. So, you know, what, there's scripture about things will be shouted from the rooftops, right? So, you know, we've got to live as, as transparent lives as we can, including the things we're struggling with in the right relationships, right? But in that work environment, it's, it, it's not worth it, guys. It's not well, worth it. Well, and that's something that I really want to touch. The drugs and alcohol in the workplace, sex with people in the workplace, having a relationship with people in the workplace. If you're a Christ follower, these behaviors completely detract from your ability to be a light in the workplace. I mean, it's no, just totally it's damaging. Yeah, It's I mean, over. It's over. You can't. It's, I mean, but you know, the flip side of that, if you could pull a young person aside and say, look, I did that and it messed up my career, and tell them about your sin, how bad it turned out, that's an awesome place to be. You know, there are places where you can be transparent and tell people about the mistake you made. I I have a men's Bible study I'm a part of uh, every Friday morning, and every time a guy is told about having an affair, they cry. I have never had a man, you know, over 40, talk about an affair he had earlier in his life and say, boy, that was a great decision. 100% of the time, they weep, and they're so mourning about the mistakes they made. So, you know, they can, you can use that afterwards, but gosh, if there's any way we can avoid it, let's try to avoid it, guys. I agree. I totally agree. Okay, so greed is your number three. Your number three career killer. 
Talk to me about greed. How's that played out in the workplace? There's an old country expression that goes, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And I tell people, I'm like, look, it's great. I'm a devout capitalist. You know, I, I believe in a free market. I mean, go out there and work hard and make a great product and be successful as you can. The thing about it is, is that in my world, in real estate, I want Crossman Company to do well. I want our landscapers to do well. I want our architects to do well. I want the other brokers we work with to do well. Greed is about... I want to do well, and no one else is going to do well, right? And why it's a career killer, it's, it's, it's amazingly short-sighted. And I can go over and over and over the stories of somebody's trying to save a little bit of money to think they're going to make a lot of money, and what happens is they get cut off from future business. I had a gentleman I did a deal with years ago, and it substantially increased his net worth, millions of dollars more of net worth a deal. And he then tried to negotiate a, a very small deduction in the fee to my company, it didn't even affect me, but it was so disturbing to me, I actually deleted him out of my database. I never sent him another deal ever again um, because I just, it just felt so uncomfortable. So people think they're doing something that takes them to the next level, and they're not. And certainly, on, on the I work for him world, how is being greedy in any way a Christ following character. It's not. It's the opposite. Right. That's just so, so true. John Crossman, we talked about drugs and alcohol in the workplace being an absolute career killer. Relationships with people that you work with and sex with people you work with, bad idea, greed, bad idea. All of those things screwing up your witness as a Christ follower, but also being a career killer. Then you say temperament. You know, I wrote the question, everyone hates and avoids a hothead in the office or the ball field or in their car. How come they seem to be allowed to keep hurting people all around them in the workplace? Well, it, it's, I think it's one of those things that maybe in some environments it's not seen as negatively as in other environments. But let me say this, that we're called, you think about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, we're talking about one of the things is having self-control. And when someone's a hothead, it's a, it's a lacking of self-control, right? And the other thing that is, when I think about somebody a hothead, usually what's causing that is some root wound inside of them that they haven't had received healing for. So I feel some compassion for those people. But it, we live in a culture that one hothead statement can end it for you. So if, you're, if somebody's listening to this and they, they're honest with themselves with that, they get very angry very quickly. We live in a society where people can say Trump, Obama, you know, whatever, red state, blue state, and people start going through the roof. Man, we need to have control of that. And if we're lacking that self-control, we need to look inward and, and deal with what's going on inside of us. There was an example on the headline today. I won't be specific so we don't date the show, but there was a headline today of a, of a teacher, a professor, who said something stupid on Twitter, right. and he cost him his job. Yep. I mean, it was just, it was a, it was just a, it, like, what were you thinking? Yep. But those things really matter. So how do we help the people that we know and we love in our workplace who maybe have an anger issue? How do we help them identify that they got an anger issue and that it's destroying them? Well, I think we got to talk to them about it. And then we probably, probably need to pull in some professional outside help as well. Like I say, that doesn't come from nowhere, right? You know, that typically comes from there's something inside of them. They're, they're wounded. They're hurt. And maybe they may be not aware of what the hurt is, but there's some reason why is that. What's, what's the thread? You've got to help pull the thread. But know that when you start to deal with wounds that have been treated a long time, it can get pretty painful and pretty messy. Sure, because so, they're sore. That's right. It takes time. But that's a great way to really demonstrate our faith in our workplaces by reaching out to people that are hurting. Mm -hmm. If they got an anger issue, I mean, a lot of times you're like, well, somebody said to me 20 years ago, Jim, why are you so angry? 
I'm like, I'm not angry. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I had issues that I needed to work through. Yeah, me too. And it, but it was, you know, I didn't like when people asked me that question. But thank God it was my mother, so I didn't, you know, really yell at her too much. But right, anyway. right. All right. So you, the final career killer was pride, mm-hmm. arrogance, confidence, pride. John, what is it that you've seen in areas of pride that destroys people in their career path? I had a, uh, a woman that worked here that was really talented, smart, hardworking, wanting to rise up. So I put her in charge of, this was outside of her core job, but we needed it done, to put her to launch a new website. She was dealing with our sales staff, and our sales staff are gregarious. They all have ADD. I mean, they're salespeople, right? She got very frustrated with it, and she ended up launching the website, the new website, without telling me, and then took a personal day. So I was looking at the website, and I saw all these mistakes, and that's not, that's not good, and then she wasn't here. That's not good. So I emailed her and her direct supervisor, and I said, hey, look, we need to talk about this. Well, she came in from work, met with her boss, and resigned. She just was so aggravated with the process, she just quit. What she didn't know was our plan was was to terminate her boss and promote her. That's what we were planning on doing, mm. and that this was really just a, an, um, an exercise to see how could she handle stressful leadership. And her arrogance, her pride, prevented her from getting the opportunity. It wasn't she wasn't qualified. She was. She just she couldn't humble herself. That's tough. That's right? tough. And, of course, she couldn't go back and tell her that. Or did you tell her that when she was no, on the way out? No, no, no. You no. got to tell no, her that. No, All right. No. All right, so I think it's important to note that the issues we just talked about, you know, drugs and alcohol addiction, uh, sex and workplace, inappropriate relationships, greed, temperament issues, the anger issues, pride, these are all issues that Christ followers struggle with, too, in the workplace. Yeah. How? Let's just talk, how have you seen Christ followers really destroy their witness by letting these behaviors come out? Well, I think that the, one of the sad things is you, you, you got, you've got some people that lead with their Christianity. And if you're leading with your Christianity and you talk about your faith and yet you're a hothead, you're really damaging. You know, you're damaging the faith. You've got to deal with that. Like, there's that, that part of it. But there's another part of it, too, where I think that all of us feel like, or if we have it, we have at some point in our life, I feel like we need to pose. Like, we're Christians. We're perfect. we got it all together. That doesn't resonate with people. It doesn't really help people. People who are non-Christians can't identify that because they're suffering. When we learn how to be open and, and, and appropriately deal with our issues, that's where it becomes encouraging. You know, again, I go back to Galatians 5, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What a great group of words to really reflect on every day about our spirit in the work environment. We're talking today with John Crossman. His book, latest book out, Career Killers, Career Builders, the book every millennial needs to read. Now, John, after I read the book, I sent you an email. And by the way, I don't know why you're answering emails on a Sunday, but... (laughs) Okay, but you did, so that was great. You specifically don't mention Jesus in this book. Why? Well, you know, um, when we talk about evangelism, uh, the first step in evangelism, I believe, is a relationship. Okay? This book is a first step. I didn't write it as a Christian book. Uh, I've had people complain to me that it's Christian overtones, and that's okay. I have Christian overtones, right? But it wasn't written that, that perspective. It was written from the perspective of a business book. My hope would be is that you could give that to your non-believing friend, talk to them about it, and it's a step in a relationship, and that maybe that can grow to someplace else. Um, but I specifically didn't, because it, it was, it's a first step. It's, it's, a, it's a helpful thing for careers. It's certainly Christian influence. I mean, I think if you read it, if you didn't know me, I, 
I would think you would probably think you're right. That's kind of sort of a, probably a Christian. That's where he's coming from. When I give lectures in colleges, and I speak at state university all the time, uh, I don't open up with my faith, but invariably somebody asks me about myself, and if they ask, I answer. If, I, if they ask, I answer. And, you know, people ask me, we got a conversation with Lincoln University recently. We're talking about addiction. We're talking about addiction a lot. How do you beat addiction? And I just the first thing is prayer. I don't know how you beat addiction without prayer. I don't know how you beat addiction without knowing there's a God. I don't know how you do it. I mean, if somebody's doing it out there, Tell me, because I don't know that it's possible, truly. So when I see suffering, so it's a step, is to answer your question. Uh, and I love it, because I know today on the colleges and universities of America, the public colleges, if you led with Jesus, it's not going to lead you into those doors. You're right. not going to get the opportunity. You just right. won't. I mean, there's a, there's an extraordinary bias there. Okay, let's go positive. We've talked about the yes. career killers. Yes. Now about the career builders. We're talking about John Crossland about his latest book, Career Killers, Career Builders. The career, number one career builder... A mentor. Why mm-hmm. is a mentor so important? What does it look like? Well, I have a different little bit of a spin. I think I would think most of your listeners would know about that. It's important to have a mentor, and why have a mentor? People talk about. That. I, I would tell you, I think you're wrong. People, really? people don't have them. They don't oh, have geez. them. Well, let me let me give this piece of advice. Then I would say this is that we all need mentors, and we we can have mentors in different areas. We can have mentors from being a husband, from being a father, from being an employee, to being an exercise. Right? You don't have to have one mentor. You can have lots of mentors that help you in different areas. Here's my little twist that for me is key. I often ask students, "What is relationship?" Right? And all then I'll say, "What is charity?" Charity is giving and expecting nothing in return. The irony is, is that people do a lot of charity work. They they feel like they get more than they give. They're blessed by it. When you're in a mentor relationship, it's really important that you get your brain around giving and receiving in an equal way. My point being is, do not seek mentor relationships in, a, in, a, in the in the viewpoint of you want a charity relationship. Seek a mental relationship where they're going to give to you, and you're going to find a way to give back to them. If they're giving you knowledge, offer to cut their grass. If they're giving you access to contacts, like them, like them on Facebook, right? Be a cheerleader. But find a way. Do not spend your life trying to be charity. Try to be some way that you become equals. And I will tell you, younger people than me who need my help, and we kind of get to the point where it becomes more a relationship mentoring versus charity, I get, I get, I mean, it works at a whole different level. It's awesome. So everybody should have a mentor. And I love that. I just like mentor, number one. And it's just, if you really have a hard time looking in the mirror and seeing yourself, a mentor will help you see who you are. Mm-hmm. Relationships. You know, our moms and our dads said, listen, you are who you hang out with. Guilt right. by association. When we come back, John, I want to really dig into that because mm-hmm. who we hang out with really does have an impact on Big us, deal. doesn't it? Big deal. All right, we're, we're talking today with John Crossman about his book, Career Killers and Career Builders. I thought this would be a fantastic topic. And if you're just tuning in right now, you need to go back and listen to the beginning of the show on our archives, which you can find on iWorkForHim.com, or the podcast, which you can find also on our website, iWorkForHim.com. Sign up for our podcast. We get podcast downloads all over the world. You can get access to every show we've ever done. You could listen to my voice to put you to sleep and wake you up in the morning and all the way in between. Career killers and career builders is something everybody needs to be cognizant of. We don't want to make mistakes. People before us have made the mistakes. Let's learn from their mistakes. So we're talking now about career builders. We talked about the power of having a mentor in your life, and now we're talking about relationships. John, as I said before the break, you know our moms and our dads said, who are you hanging out with? Who you hang out with, you guilt by association. Whoever you hang out with, they're going to influence you. You're not going to influence them. How does that play out in the workplace? 
Well, let me say this. Uh, this is my big concept, okay, with our relationships. And I think about relationships in three levels. One is acquaintances, okay, so meet somebody, just know their name. The second way I think about this is friendship. And when I think about a word that defines friendship, it would be encouragement. Right, so if you remember the TV show Friends, all they kind of did in that show was kind of encourage each other, right? Or if we have friends on Facebook and they wish us happy birthday, that's a great thing. But what I challenge people to think about is having a handful of brothers and sisters, and if it's same sex, okay, so it's it's male to male or female to female. Another way to say it is to have a healthy male relationships or healthy female relationships. And the word that I would want people to try to describe those, is, and I think it's the right word, is exhortation, in that you tell each other the truth in love. You know, people that love each other, they'll say, hey, you got broccoli in your teeth, or your zipper's down, or you're a hothead, or you drink too much, or you're clearly flirting with that woman, and you, you're married. What are you doing, right? The key with all this, Jim, though, is that those relationships don't happen naturally. You have to invite them in. You know, if you tell people, if you don't tell somebody, hey, tell me when I'm screwing up, they won't. They won't. You've got to be able to lean in and look people in the eye and say, look, if I ever have food in my teeth, tell me. If I'm ever being verbally abusive, I need you to let me know. Please speak truth into my life. Super crucial being successful in business and in almost all of the areas of our life. Have you ever had to change friends? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I, I, I made a note of that. You know, it's like there's also toxic relationships. You know, great line of scripture when, the, when uh, Jesus asked the leper, do you want to get well? And you think, how would a person with leprosy not want to get well? Not everybody wants to get well. And listen to me. I have had friends, people who I was close to, who I loved, have committed suicide. And I have cried like you wouldn't believe. I've also had to accept I can't fix people. I can't heal people. I can't change people. I can help them, but I can't do anything if they don't want the help. And sometimes we have to let people go. We can't help people who don't want help help themselves, that's for sure. You also mentioned something there about family. And we don't get to choose our family, but often family can help us in our careers as a career builder because they know us better. Isn't that why? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I joke about it with my daughters. Like, uh, they really hurt my feelings sometimes, but they're some of my best advisors because they'll tell me the truth, right? I mean, I, I take them to hear me give publicly speak sometimes, and afterwards they'll say, Dad, you talk too fast, or you said, uh, too many times, and oh, it kind of hurts. <laughs> but they're telling me the truth, right? And so... And some relationships and family are really hard. Again, some of them can be toxic, but sometimes we need to lean in a little bit. Sometimes they're saying the stuff we don't want to hear, but it's exactly what we need to hear. Um, so having some thought about that is a good thing to do. All right. So our number three career builder, and this one kind of threw me off. I wasn't expecting this. Professional counseling. How? When is professional getting professional counseling important, and what does that have to do with having a career? Well, because it's a it, it's a skill set issue. You know, if if I was walking across the street and I got hit by a car and I broke my arm, you know, immediately you'd say, "Oh my gosh, now let's take you to the hospital and get you fixed up," right? And you you go through a process. We will all experience tragedy. You know, we will have the death of someone we love, or you know, a serious illness, or just any number of things. And we, I don't not one that says you need professional counseling forever, but sometimes you need specific help on specific items. And I'll give you a quick example. I was doing a, a study, a Bible study called uh, Voice of the Heart. It was all about emotions. Like one cool thing I learned was loneliness is a good thing. God gave it to us to remind us to be in relationship, right? So one of the chapters was on hurt. And the author wrote, wrote the, write the top ten things that you were most hurt by. And I thought, I don't know how to answer this. 
I went and got with a counselor, and I learned that I was in some ways addicted to success and not dealing with my own pain. Instead of learning how to cry and learning how to deal with my own sadness and work it out, I was just I would just focus on doing another deal, right? So I don't know that anybody could have got me through that unless they were a professional, right? So hmm. don't need that forever, but for that season, that that issue, that problem that I needed some help with, and pastors have to do ten thousand things. They don't necessarily, with maybe a specific thing one of us is dealing with, me that be the best person for it, right? right? So we get a specialized person to help us with those issues. Well, and I love the, that if you know you talk about one of the career killers being anger, and and this professional counseling can help you work through those things, so you don't yeah. have a career killer yeah. anger issue. You can work through it. Right. All right, your number four. This is probably the most powerful thing. As we talked today with John. John Crossman about his brand new book, Career Killers, Career Builders, the book that every millennial needs to read. Get a copy. You can get this on, where, where can you, I know you can get on Amazon. You can where get else? Amazon, you can order it through books and, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, Google Books. Uh, Amazon is the most popular place uh, for it, And uh, uh, but yeah, it's very popular, and obviously if you just looked me up and found me on LinkedIn, send me a message. I will mail you a copy. If there's any kind of you have a financial problem, I can I will give you a copy. Don't worry about That's it. That's John Crossman. If you need to get a hold of him, just let me know. It'll you'll just check out our Facebook page. We'll have it out there. The link yeah. will be out there by tomorrow and the copy of the picture of the book will have it all out there. Okay, awesome. so your number four becoming coachable. This is probably something I wish somebody had told me in my first job out of college. My actually my second job, but being coachable, why is that so important in developing a career? Well, because, you know, I, in my company, if people in most jobs, if they just do what we tell them to do, they're going to be very successful, right? And that's true in a lot of places. There's people older who have been doing it for years, uh, but you've got to have a desire to learn. You have to have a desire to want to have knowledge. Um, coach K, the famous basketball coach, talks about when he was recruiting great athletes, he might say, you know what, you need to say thank you more often. And then he listens. Maybe the athlete says, well, thank you, Coach K. I will say thank you more often, and thank you for telling me. Or they may say, why are you telling me to say that, right? He's looking for coachable hearts because he's a world-class coach, right? If you listen to what he's saying, you can do it. There's so much. We live in a wonderful time with lots of great information out there. And if you have a heart that wants to learn, it's very powerful where you can go. But if you have a hardened heart that you, you don't want people telling you what to do, very limiting to greatness. Well, and if you're a Christ follower, being coachable is the, I mean, that's what God does. He uses the adversity in our lives to take us from who we are to who, we can, who he can use more effectively. And it's all about being coachable, moldable. I mean, it's just, that's part of walking with Jesus. Has, was there ever a time, John Crossman, in your life where you weren't coachable? Oh, I can think of all kinds of times where I felt like I had mastered something. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a great example. Um, when I was taking a prep for marriage class with my wife, we did a test and it said that we were a great match except one area, communication. And I like, look, I do a lot of public speaking. I'm really open. I'm in touch with my feelings. I'm a great communicator. 22 years of marriage later, I still have to work on communication with my wife almost every day. So it took me a long time to acknowledge, wait a minute, I'm not listening to that coaching I got before I got married. And I've just had to humble myself with that. Maybe I'm not as good as I thought. Yeah, yeah. We all. I think as we get older, we realize the more issues that we have. I mean, it's you know, when you're young, you think you just you got it all figured out. When you get older, you realize all the things you didn't know in the first place. All right, your last one on career builders is connections. It's not what you know, but who you know. And those words are so true. But if there's a master of who you know, John Crossman, how many connections do you have on LinkedIn? Over twenty-two (laughs) thousand. And is there anybody even close to you? 
I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But, you know, look, the old expression, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But, you know, what it really is is who knows you, right? Like, And I'm just a big believer of building brands, building relationships, and levering the connections you have. I tell students, like, start with your alumni base. I'm I'm on the National Alumni Board of uh, Florida State University, and if you're listening to your Florida State grad, join the Alumni Association. Wherever you graduated from, join that Alumni Association. Get plugged in. Connect with things that are, are logical and build from there. I'll tell you a, a, a sad story, but I hope it's an encouragement. Uh, a friend of mine that committed suicide, I had over a year ago, I hired a consultant to help him kind of build his business plan because he was kind of struggling. And then my friend died. And so recently, my friend, the consultant, gave me the notes for their meeting. And in the notes, one of the things the consultant had said is that he had great talent, but he had to work it. He had to go out and reach out to people. He told me privately that he felt like this young man felt he felt entitled, that he was so talented, people should just recognize it and give him stuff. The world doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I think there's a fantasy we all may have, like the person saying, you, come out of the crowd and come preach. You, come out of the crowd and come sing. You, come out of the crowd and throw the football, right? And it doesn't work that we have to work it. You have to work relationships. John Crossman, your book, Career Killers, Career Builders, the book that every millennial needs to read, is a great book, a great resource. Thanks for sharing it with us on iWorkRim. Thanks for your testimony and your witness in the marketplace. Thanks, John Crossman. My pleasure. You know, I want to encourage you, get a copy of this book. Go out there on Amazon. Get it for your kid in college. Get it for your kid graduate from high school. They need to understand this stuff ahead of time so they don't make these mistakes. It's a great one. Career killers, career builders. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.